Trusted Visions weekly podcast. Stacy, I, I know we're digging in this month about working with third-party recruiting firms and the advantages of working with those firms. We're going to hit a topic this week that I know is near and dear to your heart, and you love this topic. So we're going to start with you. And for our audience, we're going to talk this week. Stacy's talked a lot about this, of you know, working with third-party recruiting firms and asking questions that you don't know to ask or don't think to ask. And one of the hidden gems within this topic is really talking about those fees out there that broker dealers call a wide gamut of different fees, but they all mean the same. And or you didn't even know that some of these fees exist because you've never paid them throughout your career. So Stacy, I'm going to start with you of Talk to our audience about some of those fees that A, are named something different with one firm or the other, or B, our audience wouldn't even know to ask because they don't know that these fees exist and or the the biggest thing is piggybacking on the licensing agreements with some of these broker dealers on technology and, and what that means to our audience. So I know that was a lot to unpack and we've got a short time. So I'm going to hand this one over to you because I know how passionate you are about this. Yes, I. Um, it, it really irritates me when an advisor walks into something and they are not told the whole story. I, I just think that someone, someone, um, maybe there's an integrity factor there. Uh, maybe it's laziness. I don't. You know, let's um, assume the best here. Maybe just someone forgot to tell them, right? Um, but I think working with Jeremy, working with myself, we can dig into some of those expenses uh, that do exist that you know to compare on your own if you are looking at a change in broker-dealer REA. But um, where we really excel is asking the questions that maybe you, you don't know. So as, as Jeremy said, there's some expenses out there sometimes that you um, may not even have at your current firm. It doesn't exist at other firms even. So it's kind of unique. It's not ones that, you know, might be dire in a lot of cases, um, but nuisance fees, and know everyone loves to um, have their nuisance fee list longer than their current one. (laughs) You know, in the last two weeks, we talked about a couple examples that um, were pretty big for a few offices that Jeremy and I were recently working with. you know, those examples was a direct-to-fund fee. Another one was um, five basis point platform fee that some broker-dealers charge for third-party money managers. Um, getting beyond that to a few other examples, I, I was thinking about this, and I think you got to look at it in different categories for your office and how it might be impacting you. So, Jeremy, you mentioned licensing fees. Um, I recommend getting a detailed list of the Um, whether it's an annual or monthly, what are the licensing and registration fees at the broker-dealer you're currently at today and a broker-dealer that you're looking at? Go through those and do a comparison. For example, sometimes CIPIC fees are a percentage of your GDC versus a flat fee. Again, one-time fee may not be that big of a deal, but it's something you should be aware of. Sometimes you're going to see a wide difference in what it costs for errors and emissions. I've even seen some broker-dealers charge for an outside business activity. Um, you know, like a quarterly fee per outside business activity you have listed. Not every BD charges that. There's supervision fees, compliance usage fees, even split rep code fee. Now I know have I've known some offices that have had like a thousand different codes for their group. Um, just consider that if you didn't know that that fee existed. Another category you could look at is uh, your trading expenses. 
obviously you're going to look at what ticket charges are, right? That's a big one. But what about other service fees for certain fund families, um, some broker dealers, or maybe there's a small account fee that triggers. I spoke with someone yesterday, Jeremy, and at his broker dealer, if he trades ETFs inside of his fee account, he has to sign up for an extra level of research and real-time quotes. That was a new one. Hadn't heard that one before. So again, those devils are in the details. And I think two big categories, because I could, you know, as you said, Jeremy, I could go on a long time for this, um, but looking at like your commission and fee-based business. Commission, um, I have heard of some broker-dealers maxing out their brokerage commission that gets calculated. If you came from a firm that that wasn't maxed out, um, obviously there's a certain calculation there, but this was uh, such that the advisor within six months was changing broker dealers again because it wasn't told to him. Uh, we've got a levelization of trails from like annuities that happens with some firms, but not all. So again, these, these details that we have to get after. Uh, fee-based business is probably a whole nother call, the different ways that REAs might charge clients or the advisor as well. So Jeremy, I, I covered quite a few things there as far as examples. I would highly recommend someone reach out to us on this to get a full list of different questions to ask because um, we're not going to cover it all on this call. We'll, people will be rolling their eyes probably at that point, but it is it's a list um, that we can help go through. We can help ask the right questions. Um, and I think your final question was technology. That's a, another area. A lot of broker dealers have discounts. They have their go-to firms um, that they work with for CRM and financial planning. Again, that's something we can help work through as far as what those expenses are and how they're charged. So we talked about expenses, um, a lot of different examples of you know what um, those might look like for you. Jeremy, Another area that I see, right, when I talked to someone just yesterday, it was expenses really matter, Stacey. I have to have a deep comparison for my firm that I'm with um, before I would make an expense or before I would make a decision. But the other factors are transition assistance and payout. Um, and of course, those are those are typically the two top things that we hear. But Jeremy, there's such a variance right now between firms that pay a lot of transition assistance, those that may not pay hardly any. Um, as well as the payout. Can you touch on like, why are we seeing such a big difference between broker-dealer and REAs? And that's a great question, Stacey. And I'll, I'll, before I answer that, one thing I would add to what you mentioned about expenses is, you know, when you're piggybacking on the technology packages or discounts that a broker-dealer has, it's important to make sure who owns that client data because the discount can be great, yes. but yet... With that discount becomes limitations and stricter, you know, uh, criteria for you taking that data. So I just wanted to add that, but great question. And, and we get this a lot with the big variance of payouts and transition money. And I would categorize that in a few different categories is you've got to look at the ways that the broker dealer is making money. And, and what I mean by that is some broker dealers are not only the broker dealer, but they're also the custodian. So they're making money on both sides of that. And so it's more profitable for them. Hence, they can become more aggressive in transition and payouts and advisory pricing. Now, there's also what I categorize as those broker dealers that are much more aggressive than others in transition money. I, I, I guess to put it bluntly out of desperation 
because A, they're not meeting the growth expectations of whoever their private equity investors are, whoever their investors are. And so the only way to do that is to throw bigger dollars out there because quite frankly, they can't be competitive with the larger firms out there. So it's a sign of desperation. And I don't say that lightly and say that that firm is a bad firm, but that's the reality of the situation. The other side of it would be is if they're not meeting growth expectations, are they you know, trying to hurry up and grow for an event, whether it's a liquidity event, whether it's going public, whatever that may be, You've got to ask yourself, is why is this broker dealer being much more aggressive than another broker dealer? And like I said, it comes down to two categories. It comes down to the side of they can do it because they're more profitable, because they have more business lines, or they're doing it out of desperation or a future plan for a liquidity event or whatever that may be. Again, not saying it's a bad thing, but we're seeing ranges of 10% of trailing 12 all the way up to 150% of trailing 12. And so that's a big delta. And that's one of the advantages of working with a firm like Trusted Visions is we can help you navigate the pros and cons of that. The other side of it, and the last thing I would touch on is obviously with interest rates right now, you know, firms are able to offer a lot more transition money because of the interest rates and the money that they're making on the money market accounts and the cash sitting at clients' accounts. So there's a lot of variances there that we don't expect our audience to be able to unpack. That's what we're here for at no cost to you. So Stacy, great topic. We're going to wrap up this month next week, which I'm really excited to, to wrap it up and, and talk more about Trusted Visions next week. But as we always do, Stacy, contact information for our audience. You can contact me at 641 6722. And my email is Stacy.martin at trustedvisions.com. And for me, info at trustedvisions.com or 480-430-5012. Stacy, I look forward to next week. Hope our audience has a great week. If you have any questions or any topics you want us to cover in future podcasts, please don't hesitate to comment on our LinkedIn or YouTube page. Have a blessed week. Mm-hmm.